Good evening, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. We are live. Hello, hello. How are you, Happa? I'm fantastic. How are you, Seven? I'm doing well. Doing well. Wish we could have done this on Tuesday, but I felt like hot garbage. But today I feel pretty okay. good. Today I feel pretty good. This is what happens All when you try to get off. have to align. Well, Mercury has to be in retrograde, and I have to have my caffeine. It has to be. The moon. It's the moon has to be in retrograde. <laughs> if, you, if the moon's in retrograde, we've all got issues. <laughs> Don't look up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched that the other night again, by the way. Uh, it's just good. I. It makes me laugh to watch it and see the simulators in idiocy that's out there. So, yep. I don't know. It, it just... Don't look up. They're trying to fool you. What is it the, oh, the, the talk God. show people say? We like the happy thoughts here or something like that. It's, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> a little and then the Bash guy, like the head of Bash, like oh really. My God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say. It's a recommended that. watch, though. It's actually a, a really good movie. Well done. Well acted. It is. Yeah. Well written. Pretty on the nose for some things. I'm I'm legitimately a big fan of the writing in that movie. Just how they, not necessarily like the the negativity and connection with the event, but just how people are so oblivious and yep. disconnected from reality. Like, yeah, yeah, and attempting to be to be more so at times. You know, like yeah, it, yeah. it's like. It seems so. The, the way they did it was really good in that movie. Uh, we had not planned to talk about this, but the way they did it, yeah, well, <laughs> was so well done because it was on the nose. I mean, it's, it's definitely on the nose, right? Anyone who's looking yeah. around the world today and seeing what's going on, you're going to be like, oh, that's on the nose. But it wasn't like it was badgering. It wasn't like over. It was. It was funny or lighter. I mean, it's it's you know an asteroid headed to Earth, so as light as you can make that subject. Uh, yeah. Right, the end of all human right. beings. The end of life on this planet. Uh, well, actually, the end of the planet, right? Because it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the that was the whole story. Yeah. So sorry if you haven't seen it. I just spoiled it for you. Shame on you for not watching it. That's your fault. One of the funniest parts of that movie that I caught was they were sitting there watching, you know, some daytime show like The View or something. You know, daytime, whatever, interviewing, and there was a musical artist that was on the show. And as the drama happened, the son is like on the couch, like, oh, my phone, my phone just, just bought the album without, it didn't even ask me. Like, <laughs> uh, we were actually talking about this. And then like five minutes later, he's like, he, it did it again. It bought a different album. Like <laughs> This morning when we were talking about, uh, it, it was funny because I was talking to, to Hapa. We, we share a love for Olakai shoes. And uh, I was like, did you know they have boots? And I assumed Happen knew this, and he was holding out on me. He's like, I didn't know they had boots. No idea. But I had, for the first time in, I don't know, two years, opened Facebook. And I was like, oh, let me see what's, what's, what's going on on Facebook. What is Facebook like now? And I scroll, and there's an advertisement for Olukai boots. Now, are you serious? Like, yes, I would love yeah, a pair of boots, yeah. and yes, I love Olukai, but why do you know that? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I did. I joked that the vaccine was actually a chip, a microchip that got. <laughs> I'm I'm transmitting my advertising preferences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the boots. Like, were careful cool, where though. you walk. You never know. Those boots were pretty cool, though. Not gonna lie. And Olakai is great. Yeah, shoes. definitely not a sponsored uh, advert. No. But if you don't Could have be, Olakai flip flops, in fact, I'm wearing their flip flops right now. Could be sponsored. Um, if you guys sponsor, we'll talk oh, even totally. nicer about you. How about that? Hey guys, I know you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> 
So anyway, we're, we're, we took a, a, a left turn. Bit of a turn. It is uh, November the 30th, 20 and 23. Can you believe we are at Can the... Ah, yeah, we're almost done with this whole year, man. That's crazy to me. December. Is that tomorrow? Tomorrow's December or Saturday? Mm, tomorrow is December the tomorrow. 1st. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I had to verify Where that. Where did the year I'm go? Not, I'm that idiot. I yeah. actually did pull it up. Uh, I was like, "What?" I wanted to say. I don't. I don't know the. Right. I don't know the trick. I don't either. They, I, I don't know. know I know how to use a calendar, though. <laughs> Y'all like looking at my hands. I'm like, I clicked a little calendar. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't need tricks. I got mouse clicks. But the uh, yeah. So tomorrow is December last month of twenty and uh, twenty three, and um, pretty excited. This is podcast number eleven for us. Um, the name of this one is uh the Bolvedere and I, I think yeah, man. Sir Hapa of the Fodder clan um that you actually are drinking the drink tonight. So tell us about the Bolvedere. I learned about the Bolvedere. It is uh for those of you that don't know what a Negroni is, a Negroni is equal parts vermouth campari and gin. A Bolvedere, they call it the Negroni's cousin because it's equal parts campari, vermouth and whiskey. And um they call you to garnish well, one of the recipes I saw said garnish with an orange peel. I didn't have oranges. Another article said citrus, some kind of citrus. I thought the vermouth and Campari, I almost said like I know what I'm talking about here, um, would pair well with grapefruit. And I happened to have some of the miniature grapefruit, so I peeled some and put it in there. And um, it's quite tasty, not going to lie. Yeah. I think that... Uh we were kind of talking about it before we started the podcast. I think that we should start making the drinks before, um, yeah. before we do the podcast and have them on podcast. I, however, am having a straight four roses small batch. So that's how much effort I put in to mixing my drink. Hey, <laughs> if you're going to have a drink, though, four roses is delicious mm-hmm. for sure. It's not a bad direction to go for I, uh, sure. For no, sure. No, can't go wrong. So we got a pretty um, Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, in the future, if we do do this, I'd mention to Seven that we're probably both going to need storage mm. space for all the crap yeah, we're about to buy. Absolutely. But, you know, whatever. Kind of here for it. I need to grow up. Yep. I need to grow uh, up a, anyway. That sounds like a grown-up thing to have. I need to grow up anyway. Nah, that's why you have a wife. She's, she's, she takes care of she's the, everything. She's the grown-up. <laughs> that's very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Behind every successful man is a very just lost and blown away woman that runs everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm her third child, no doubt about it. So we have a we have a pretty interesting lineup tonight, happen. We, you know, we were talking before the podcast um and we've got some subjects tonight that we're going to hit, but also we're probably going to revisit some things from previous podcasts. Yeah. Um so if if you're listening uh you know, uh, if you're not watching the YouTube video, so every time we do this, we do it on YouTube live. You can come catch us on the stream at Real Talk with Happen in 7. And we do watch chat and we talk. Uh, you know, we're talking to Rita tonight and, and Rita's hanging out and, we'll, you know, some other folks will probably pop by. Um, but then if you're listening, because this is available anywhere just as a podcast, no matter where you get your podcasts, if you are listening, it might be worth listening to some of the other podcasts first because we will probably uh, reference back to some of the things we've talked about. Some of the subjects we're going to have tonight are continuations of four and five podcasts long at this point. Um, one of the subjects, which Habba doesn't want to talk about, but I'm going to make him, I think, is probably one of the things we've <laughs> talked about. If we've done 11 podcasts, we've talked about this on 15 of them. So um, so we will we'll go through the subjects that we have, but also we are going to freeform a little bit tonight. 
uh, maybe more so than we've done in the past. So we'll see how it goes. I'm excited to, to do this. Happen and I always have fun conversations. So, however, uh, to go through the title and make sure we don't miss anything, the subjects for tonight that we planned are pretty interesting. So NASA has tested uh, deep space laser communication. I think that's really fascinating. Um, we're going to talk about the long, the long shore, it, uh, the long-term shore stability issues from the Deepwater Horizon uh, tragedy. But it's not going to just be about the shore stability issues, right? That's where the, kind of the article yeah. started, but there's going to yeah. be a lot more conversation about that. Um, <laughs> hey, we human beings have done a thing, the first successful eye transplant. We're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about some other stuff that goes around with that. And then we're going to talk about the protein problem. And if you are new to the podcast and this is the first time you're hearing it, you're going to say, what is the protein problem? And uh, I understand why you'd be confused. However, if you've been listening to us for four or five podcasts or you've been watching us on YouTube, you would know there is an absolute, uh, in particular, a, a, a HAPA, uh, HAPA passion point about uh, current the, the protein situation on the planet currently, uh, but in particular in the United States. So uh, beyond that, we'll do some of our, our normal stuff. We'll find out what HAPA's been watching. We'll probably find out what I've been listening to. Talk about what games we've been playing together, which that should, <laughs> that should be fun. Uh, and, then, yeah. uh, and then we'll talk about <laughs> HAPA's rules for good living. Um, so yeah, Hap, I, does that sound, that sound good to you? That's that about spot on. Yeah. So let's talk about this laser, believe, this, uh, this NASA laser communication. So the, the, the test, right. There's a mission going on, right. It's called psych is the mission. And, um, there's a piece of test equipment, equipment on this, this satellite that we've sent out into space to go do yep. whatever. And the thing it's doing is not related to this thing I'm going to talk about, but the, it has on board equipment to have laser communication with planet Earth. It has now reached 10 million miles, so it's traveled 10 million miles, and has turned around, pointed a laser at Earth, and we on Earth have received that laser communication. Now, what that means is we will be able to transmit HD video. As an example, we can the, the amount of data you can transmit over a laser is enormous. So we had done some of these. Right. We had done some of these in, in orbit. We had done some of these. We're going to use these on the moon mission when we get to an orbit around the moon we're going to use the laser communication but we've never done it deep space so um i'm fascinated by this i what did they consider deep space this 10 million you... mi this case was 10 million miles okay so about 40 times that's crazy yeah about 40 times the distance of the moon is is how far away oh wow yeah yeah so happy you've done some targeting in your time yes um tell me what it's like to target at 10 million miles and uh with a laser. Well, in space? Sure. In space. Sure. I mean, targeting at 10 I mean, million miles sounds like a challenge to me. Uh, well, so to be clear, if you're doing it with, with light rays and laser, it wouldn't actually be that difficult. Tell me. Um, so you're 10 million miles away. How well, because, small must the target be to the, to the, to the device trying to target? Well, it, it, in theory, you wouldn't. Well, if you're if you're talking about like an actual receiver, I guess that changes things a little bit because you're hitting a very specific. Yeah, it's a very specific end point of a on pin Earth with a very specific end of a pin, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. but you're, you're, you're making the needles meet at ten million. Yeah, look, I can yes. even do it with my pinkies. Look how <laughs> <laughs> you're making so, the needles so that meet. Changes the metric a smidge because that that is extremely difficult. But in terms of communication i remember reading articles you know years and years ago where they they at that time theorized that that's how you're going to want to communicate is with laser yep lasers in space because of the fact that it is a straight shot but i guess my question is because there is 
quote unquote dust out there and gravity doesn't particularly affect light as bad as other things might but 10 million miles okay because what is mars is like a hundred and something hundred okay 140 million miles so it roughly a sixth the seventh of of that is what we what we shot for i'm just wondering what kind of power out do you have to have mm -hmm. in order to maintain fidelity at the receiver yeah that's it, a, that's what i'm thinking as a bigger deal than necessarily so the you're talking about the the power up with the power of the laser yeah i think that's that's not a bad yeah that's not a bad call out i there were the time there was a time in my life believe it or not where i actually looked into laser communication for uh, a practical purpose um, was working to build a network and it was between multiple buildings in a city and this network needed to be uh, secure um, and a lot of options were on the table for building that network. Wi-Fi was not one of them, um, could not use public um, sure. wires and things for a lot of reasons and laser at the time was one that someone had recommended and they were, you know, it was a company that was trying to push and say, oh, hey, let's use laser communication. Of course, the the big one is one you mentioned, which is line of sight, right? You have to have a clear, yeah. it's light. So you have yeah. to have a clear line of sight to make it work. Um, and it was really fascinating how much data they could transfer via lasers then. And so I, I can see radio transmission is what you use now, which is similar to, if you've ever heard of, oh my gosh, I'm old, but if you've ever heard like a fax machine or a dial-up modem, it's that sort right. of, that's it's sound and communication. And that, while it is dependable, is not high fidelity, not high bandwidth. You can only submit so much right. data at a time and so it's really hard to get even on mars rovers it's hard to get a lot of data from them it takes a long time to get it um and so lasers could be a, a big game changer but i it's just a it seems like a lot could go wrong right it seems like at 10 million miles away hitting the target is the is an enormous complex issue and the least of your issues yeah right that, that's like this enormous complex issue and it's the least of them right because yeah, um, yeah dust yeah. a single you know, single piece of dust um, could screw up your transmission. I, and I'm sure they have good right. fault tolerance and, and stuff. But the the level of achievement that we're talking about, I mean, you and I have, have, have talked in wonder before about some of the things going on in space, uh, travel, exploration, and not enough, my opinion is not enough people are paying attention to it. They're... Oh, yeah, not at all. You do, you know, we dig for articles, we dig for news, and lately we dig harder than we used to because of, you know, a lot going on yeah. in the world. And I don't think a lot of people are digging for that information, you know, and it's, yeah, to me, yeah. some of the coolest stuff we do. But transmitting data in any form at 10 million miles is mind-blowing. So it, it is kind of interesting that we're taking for granted that you could do it because it's commonplace now for us to transmit something from Mars or... Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. But they're doing it with light. And uh, so, yeah, I thought that was a pretty neat, pretty neat, pretty neat little header. Well, and I, th I, I think from what I gather from this type of communication to the data packet bursts are going to be a lot shorter, too. So you, inter you you mentioned like tolerances. I imagine they may do like they'll duplicate the same transmission a few times but they could do it in a significantly shorter time than they would do with radar, right? Or radio. So there would be probably another reason to say that there'd be more fidelity there, right? Because whatever's receiving, in theory, would be able to notice errors due to whatever yeah. stuff crossing the path yep. and, and then updating it with the next 
patch that's the same data. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so it's... So I suppose at the end of the day, it wouldn't be a problem, maybe? <clears throat> so light travels but, faster, right? Like, so you're probably yeah, talking significantly about... significantly faster. Let's see, what is... I'm going to see if it says in the article. I'm, I'm looking at the article now. Um, okay, it looks like it took only 50 seconds to make the 10 million miles. For 10 million miles. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So that's a big deal. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. So you're, I mean, you're talking about even going to Mars, like a couple minute turnaround. Right. That's a big deal. That's crazy. Yeah, that, that's a big deal. Yeah. Imagine uh, if you've ever seen the movie The Martian. Um, if you have not, you should. But imagine being one of the few folks who, who go to Mars because we're obsessed with having a manned mission to Mars. Um, and we're going to have one, one way or the other. And, you know, yeah. imagine you're one of the people who makes it to Mars and you're alive and something comes up. Uh, the time of communication back to someone, an engineer, right, who can help you solve the problem or whoever it might be, that's a big deal, right? If you've ever been in a situation yeah. where time slows down, you know, because you're in a, heaven forbid, a car wreck or you lose control of a car or something like that, you know, time slows down. Um, things happen quick. And being able to communicate over long distances like that, that's pretty cool. Outside of quantum communications, which should be instant, right? We can't do it. So far, physics, we don't know any way to do yeah. better than light, right? Outside of quantum communication. And quantum is pretty cool, though. So did they say what this... Obviously, this is a test for supplementing future missions, but did they, did they say what what the end goal was? Like, what they're uh, the, heading toward with this? Of uh, the actual... Um, the, the mission itself or the test? The, the, Either, so the, both. Yeah, the communication test is because there's been a bunch of people saying we should be using lasers to communicate. They've been saying it for some time. <clears throat> a laser, for anyone who's not really familiar, you know, lasers have been a lot of science fiction in a lot of people's heads for a long time. A laser is just a super, 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 super strong and focused beam of light. And yeah. what's special about a laser is it doesn't spread out like a lot of light does, like a, a flashlight or something like that. It's, the light spreads out, but a laser doesn't do that. It remains really focused. Um, and so they figured out how to transmit data. And so it really is to, to have faster transmission of data, but also higher bandwidth, right? So they can send bigger files more often. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what they're shooting for. And there's been a bunch of people contending they could do it. Apparently they can. I think they've got a lot left to do to say, hey, how do we shore it up? But yeah, the, the initial experiment's done. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about what that could mean. If I can get more, if I could get high def video from the asteroid belt, That'd be pretty cool. I, I wonder if we're ever gonna get to a point where it's just gonna be me, kind of a me thing, like mm. landing on the moon was <laughs> after the first ten times or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You watched All Mankind, haven't you? For All Mankind, if you haven't watched mm. that, mm -hmm. it's a fantastic show. Yep, yep. People stopped playing. You know, I mean, even now, people have stopped some somewhat paying attention to um, to what we're doing in space. It's it's nuts to me. It really is nuts that I mean I I guess I get it because if you've got your own stuff going on and everything, but it is I mean the to have a human out there, even just orbiting, to me, is insane. Like that we do that humans do that and take it for granted. Right. I was um yes I was in uh, I was in Minneapolis in fact and I uh, was standing outside of a steak restaurant in Minneapolis, um and. Got, a, got an alarm on my phone uh, because I have an app on my phone that tells me when certain things go overhead 
because um, I like to skywatch. I think it's cool. And the ISS, the International Space Station, went overhead. And I was like, oh, I got the notification, saw it on my watch. I was like, oh, let me see if I can find it. There it goes. A beautiful, clear night. Even in a city like, you know, Minneapolis, which has plenty of light pollution, you can still see the ISS. It's incredibly bright in the sky. Crazy. And I was like, oh, you guys, you know, I was with several people. Um, I was like, hey, look, it's the International Space Station. And people were like, no, it's an airplane. I was like, no. No, that's the International Space Station. You can't see the International Space Station with a naked eye. And I was like, that is the International Space Station. <laughs> you are literally right now at going across. <laughs> no, it's an airplane. I promise you it's not an airplane. So what was interesting to me is these were all what most people would consider nerds. Right, like these were people who would be into science fiction and stuff, and they had never even looked up sure. at the ISS going overhead. And I'm like, do you not realize? Those are that's. I mean, that is that's how mundane it's become now. Like, I guess. I guess. Not to me, man. I'll still, uh, I'll still stargaze. I I think it's fantastic. Like even seeing Starlink satellites, like the line. Oh, of the Starlink little line going across. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's that's pretty cool to me to see. Like. You know, and I wish I sincerely wish I lived somewhere where there was less light pollution. Yeah. If anybody has ever been anywhere like out in the country where there's well, so first of all, it's almost impossible to have no light pollution because our planet is so lit up yep. um, that it's very difficult. That's why a lot of the observatories are above the clouds up on top of mountains now is to try to get rid of some of that. But if you ever lived in the country, I like I remember being at sea on the on the ship. Ooh. And oh, I bet that just is just laying yeah. laying out on the deck and you'd look up and you could literally see satellites. Oh yeah, yeah. Like blinking across and some what's really freaky is some of the satellites that were in geosynchronous orbit, yeah. they would they would go from your field division left to right and then you'd literally see them turn around and go <laughs> back and they do like this big long Oh, because they're staying in the in space. Yeah. Yep. I, you know, I, that, that, that's, I mean, I've crazy. been, I live in Alabama. Alabama is actually, if you want to find less light pollution, we have some good spots for it. Not as good as, you know, I mean, we've got some deserts that have way sure. better spots, but there are some decent spots here. And if you find the right places, you can go watch rocket bodies go over, you know, like, awesome. like old discarded pieces of rockets and stuff go over. So um, I think people take for granted when you look up at the, that sky, that's the same sky every person on Earth has ever looked up and seen. Mm -hmm. Right? Like the moon that we look at, that's the same moon that Socrates was looking at. Right? That's the same moon that Joan of Arc looked at. Right? It, like, it's the same one doing the same things. And to me, it makes me feel uh, in a really good way. I mean, in a good way. But looking up at, like, the night sky and actually seeing those things makes me feel insignificant, which I think humans, humans should spend more time feeling insignificant. Um, yeah. But you sit and you look and you're like, wow, we're really tiny in this this huge, enormous, crazy universe floating through on this little blue ball, you know, that we call home, right? The only perfect spaceship that's ever ever been built is Earth, and uh, it's um it's crazy, man. Yep. So segueing uh, into you know this is our perfect is. spaceship. Um, why are we we're kind of destroying it? You know, in a lot of ways, um, we're doing some stuff. And uh, while I'm not, um, I'm not a Greenpeace guy. <laughs> I still hate when stuff happens, like uh, the Deepwater Horizon. Now, if I don't, let me let me say this though. I, I don't, I don't think you need to be a Greenpeace guy yeah. to necessarily 
not necessarily maybe be appalled, but like blown away by the impact. Mm. Yep. You know? Yep. Like, I don't, I don't think that's necessary. Well, by way of introduction, there was an article you sent it to me. I have not read all of it, uh, but there, yeah. it was about the Deepwater Horizon um, oil rig that blew up, or didn't blow up, it did blow up, um, in yeah. the Gulf of Mexico. And this was in 2000, I think we said 2010, 800 million liters of oil got dumped into the Gulf. And so this article you sent was, it was specifically, if I'm, if I'm remembering, and I'm, I wrote it down, it was about long-term shore stability. So tell me a little bit more about what you were yes. reading there and... I know that's not your only thoughts on it, and I have a lot. I mean, sure. I live on the Gulf Coast, right? So I, I've lived here my whole yeah, life. So yeah. I have a lot of opinions on this. But tell me what you were reading in that article that made you want to bring it up. Well, it's, what's what's interesting to me, and, and I actually meandered to this topic because I was reading another topic where, and, and we talked about it a few episodes ago, where I think I think I just uh, mentioned it in passing, but they were talking about how the salinity of the water is creeping up the Mississippi. It's getting further and further north. Um, and this is becoming a problem because the ecosystems along the Gulf Coast, along the Delta, depend a lot along that freshwater rotation, how it kind of mixes and flushes itself. And as a byproduct of a lot of that, a lot of the Delta, Louisiana and Georgia and Alabama and all that, they're, they're constantly fighting shore erosion. That's a very normal issue, all the way from... Florida's, you know, west coast all the way up and over to southeast Texas. It's always been a problem. Um, but what they found when they started studying this is they noticed they were seeing particles of, of carbon, like carbon particles, essentially sludge in the dirt. And they immediately knew that's what it was, mm -hmm. that it was mm -hmm. from the oil spill, but they weren't sure the lengths at which it had it was really so they impacted. they found something they didn't like and they were yeah. like i know what yes. caused that now i want to know yeah how much it, what, what was it doing yes and i think i i read to you the number there's a certain number that's normal to see a lot of these particles in shore so see uh soil you know throughout close areas near waters bodies of water this is and one year after this disaster, it was literally yeah, like... Yeah, I actually got the numbers. Uh, yeah. So the average before the disaster was 23.9 nanograms per gram of sediment. It's the oil concentration, right, in these soils. After yep. the disaster, it was 17,152 nanograms per gram of sediment. That was a year after... The disaster in 2011. Which, I think, if you do the math, <laughs> a nanogram is a is a thousandth. I think I'd have I, I don't don't quote me on that. I'd have to look that up. So that would mean that you've actually at that point you've got not a nano you've got a gram like 1.7 grams actually. I think. Is a nano how many grams is you said 17 17,152 nanograms per gram of sediment. is the number we ended up with in 2011. Ah, uh, so it, nanogram is significantly smaller than... The millionth? Um, a gram. It's actually... So that that turns out to be point 
zero 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 one seven one five two grams so it's actually very 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 small okay but so i was wrong it's the other way well anyway. still you've gone from two hundred you're going to 23.9 yeah. before to seventeen thousand one hundred fifty two after and in That's 2018 crazy. it had dropped back down to 247 so in 2018 which is eight years after the incident accident disaster whatever you want to call it you're still yeah. 10 times more yep. oil in the soil than you were before. And, you know, you and I were talking about it before the podcast. Like, people take for granted what it means when you've got something in your soil. Yeah. Yeah, people don't, don't recognize how important an ecosystem is, like soil ecosystem. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily, like, worms and wildlife digging and all that like there's actual bioorganisms in soil and especially soil along bodies of water right because it they it washes in and out there's as your tide comes in the soil gets saturated and then the tide goes out and you know it dries out and that bio biome is very important for the life of i know it sounds silly but the life of the land like absolutely the plants the plants gotta eat too just Yep. And the plants hold the soil together. Yep. And if you if the soil is poisoned, the plants die. And then there you go. The soil just starts crumbling and, and falling away. Yep. You know, and eroding and, while the ocean is rising. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so you're at this point now where, you know, the direct shot off from the deep water horizon there, they checked all that soil and it's just falling into the Gulf like nonstop. Falling into the gulf. Yeah, the number here is, uh, I'm going to read directly from the article. Soil yep. strength also declined by half after the spill. Before the spill, the average strength of the top 30 centimeters of soil was 26.9 kilopascals, which measures pressure in physics. The soil strength dropped down to 11.5 kilopascals at a low point in 2011. So it still hasn't recovered, according to this. They're nope. at 16.4 now. Um, but not back up to 26.9, which is where they need to be. And that soil, like you said, on a body of water is already doing a lot of work, right? Water erodes soil yeah. naturally, right? So it's it's already doing a lot of work to try and keep the land, the land. Um, I, will t- yeah. I will tell you, uh, I, you know, grew up here. And the Gulf Coast is something, when you grow up where I grew up, where I grew up, the Gulf Coast is something you go do a lot. Right. And I would say right. three, four times a year, you're actually sitting and looking at the water in the Gulf Coast. And generally, when you're, you're me or you're part of my family, you probably have some seafood while you're there. And I yeah. will tell you, we didn't go for two years after Deepwater Horizon because we went six months after and the beaches were actually messed up. Right. It actually, oh, right. It, you can smell it. It's it's there, right? It's for real. It's people like, oh, it was it happened off way in the distance. No, no, no. It shows up. Yeah. It shows up right yeah. there. And I will tell you this, Gulf shrimp, I've eaten them my whole life. And after 2010, they never tasted the same. Oh, they wow. have an actual flavor. And I, I, I will stand by this. People can say I'm crazy. I ate them my whole life. They taste different now than they tasted then. And to me... It's notable. I wonder if that's why I don't like Gulf shrimp. When I when I moved to Southeast Texas, 
everybody was heeing and hawing about, hey, you got to try Gulf Shrimp. And I remember I tried Gulf Shrimp from three or four different places, mm -hmm. and I did not like the flavor. There was something about the flavor of Gulf Shrimp. It just, honestly, they tasted dirty. They, like, they, they just tasted they dirty. They used to taste sweet and buttery. <clears throat> And they had a yeah. A, see, I didn't get any. Right, of that. And they had a reputation for being like that sweet and buttery kind of flavor. And now yeah. they have, there's an edge to them, you know. And and describing it as an oil flavor, I mean, it. It's the only way I, I ever mean, knew that, to describe. That it. actually kind of blows me away because, like, I there, you know, because let me say this: if you don't live near the Gulf Coast, you don't understand how big of a deal the seafood industry oh, yeah. in the gulf yeah, is absolutely. to that in from and you're talking from florida yep. all the way up and across and down almost to mexico yep. like all of that is dependent on i mean yes they're the oil industry obviously sure but if you're if you wanted to talk about a um non-artificial income because that's essentially what fishing wildlife is it's very dependent on it. So to have something like that, I can't imagine how devastated uh, it was, there were so was. many, you know, there were so many shrimp boats that went out a bit like it just it, it wrecked. It wrecked so many families. I have um I have a good friend who lives in Gulfport, Mississippi. And and what that did and uh she moved down there many years back, but it was before two thousand ten. And what that did mm -hmm. to that, you know, Gulfport, Mississippi is not a big town. Yeah. You know, but it was a stable town. Right for certain kinds of tourism and food, and has its charms and its allures and its mom and pops, sure. you know, places to stay and its mom and pop restaurants, and those are the places that go first. Yeah. You know, and and so yeah, I would say that the the Deepwater Horizon um, and others like it. It's not the only one, right? But those disasters are something that people I think should take should dedicate a lot of attention to when they occur, um, because yeah. the companies that that uh that operate these these rigs right we trust them with a lot and um i know people in the oil industry i'm not saying oh oil is evil i am not doing that but we put a lot of trust in these these rigs to handle things responsibly and do yeah. things the right way and um we should hold them to those standards because when it doesn't go right it goes really bad have you did you ever see the watch the movie no you mean talk deep water horizon movie no i have not watched it yeah, I would watch it. Okay. I mean, I'm sure they they took they took um, liberties to make it a little bit more dramatic. But from what I read, because Rita and I watched the movie, mm -hmm. and then I did some reading afterwards, and the folks that are portrayed in that disaster supposedly they said they've they got the story pretty dead on mm. that the te like technicians and the people working on the rig were constantly begging for upgrades and money to do repairs and so on and so forth yeah. and the the oil company was just trying to squeeze every last penny out yep. without spending anything yep. and, and and eventually that's what happened on that rig was there was so much stuff that needed to be repaired or replaced that it just it all built up to a breaking point and then the rig just failed like you know, and, and that to me is like the crux of the the problem with humans on the planet. You and I had talked about this too about greed. Like, if you get money into things, it just ruins whatever money touches. Like, period. And I would never, for a million years, believe that the technicians and managers and stuff on that platform were 
of the mindset of I'm just trying to pull as much money out of this as I can and I don't give a shit. Like, I promise you those folks were probably trying to do make do with what they got, right? Sure. It's the, the high up guys that have million dollar bonuses at the end of the day and are worried about making the million dollar bonus that that say nah we don't need to give them maintenance money or whatever right like well they get so that's the biggest they get problem. so far removed you know it's interesting because those these companies are so big and yeah. you know Fukushima is another good example you you start track yep. if you go through yeah. these tragedies right um Chernobyl's another example you just keep going down the list there's always an engineer that is sitting there mm-hmm. that said I told you this was going to happen right there's a reason engineers yep. go yep. to school engineering is it's you know Engineering is interesting. If you go to you go to school, hey, I'm going to go get a four year degree. I'm going to be an engineer. You're going to be held to an engineering standard, right? You, it's yep. not just like you can't walk, you can't walk out of high school and say I'm an engineer now. You can't do that, right? You have to be an engineer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they have you know certifications. They have a lot of licensing. They, they continuing educations. They do these things, and because of that, there's almost always an engineer that's like, oh, I'm not guessing. When I tell you this thing's going to yeah. fail, right? I'm not guessing. I'm yep. telling you it's going to, and it's just a matter of time. And almost every one of these tragedies, you can go <laughs> and you can find whoever it was that was like, yep. you know, this ain't going to work, right? So humans have gotten really good engineers. Uh, I think the medical medical industry and engineering in particular have gotten really good at, at taking that knowledge and transferring it to the next generation and then adding to the knowledge and transferring it to the next generation. Right. They do a really good job of that. So when you're talking about things like tensile strengths of metals, right? Like there's people who can tell you absolutely it will sure. or it won't. They can tell you a carbon fiber submarine's a bad idea, right? They can tell you <laughs> right, yeah, this is not yeah. a good idea. And it always amazes me because the people who are making the decisions that end up being the person you would point at and say, hey, that's the person holding the bag, made the bad decision. There were warnings. Yep. They're usually so far removed from the the reality of what it is they're trying to deal with right that person did not work on an oil rig that person was not yep. in the gulf of mexico that person was somewhere else in some other room in some comfortable chair probably wearing a suit i could that's more expensive than my truck and was like uh, it, to me it's just an it's not a human thing it's just an entry on a spreadsheet and i said no yeah yeah it's just i mean it, to me it was just a thing on a list and i said no to it because i said it, yes to three other things right and it it's not like a bad yeah, intention yeah. thing, but we have gotten companies and organizations and they're, they're so big that these are the things that happen. And when they happen, they're not a little bit bad anymore. It's not a couple of guys in a fishing boat doing something stupid. Well, and I think that's a, a huge piece of human hubris too, to the idea that, that the company didn't recognize Maybe it was the idea, well, it, it's so outlandish that we're going to pump almost a billion liters of petrol into the Gulf of Mexico. That could never happen. Right. Right. And then when it does happen, they're going to try to deny and ignore the impact as much as possible. Right. Because I am sure that was it British Petrol that owned I that? I think it was BP. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. Pretty sure it was BP. Yeah, I think it was British Petrol. I promise you that they tried as hard as they could to keep from having to pay anything oh, certainly. to compensate anyone that was impacted as a result of that. Even, even now you got, like we talked about soil erosion probably where, you know, 
literally parts of four or five different states are falling into the Gulf. <laughs> right. and like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about that? Like, right. Like you, you're not going to do anything about it. You, you're, it's too late. Well, it's a, you know, it's now 13 years ago. Well, it's not our problem. That's 13 years ago. You know, eh, yep. well, hate to tell you, it's probably a generational problem at oh, this point. It's, it's absolutely, like, it is absolutely, we don't even know, right? We're, we're seeing the research now. Yeah, yeah. Here we are 13 yeah. years later and someone did a unique study, which is, I think, the first time they've ever done a study to see what it's eroding faster than it was. Yeah. What yeah. does an oil spill do to the soil, right? And so someone was like, I want to study that, went and got funding for the study, went and published the results of that study. And what it shows is these tragedies are at least decades long, right? Yeah. If not longer, right? We, But they're at least decades yeah. long because we're, I mean, we're 13 years out from this one. So like it's at least. So these environmental, like you said, you don't have to be Greenpeace to care. Um, and everyone should yep. care because if you don't, I got to tell you, man, the shrimp tastes different. That means something different about the shrimp. <laughs> right that ecosystem there's a lot of That's stuff crazy, that eats man. that shrimp yeah in the ecosystem everything right so your grouper tastes different too just a heads up right like yeah everything yeah. through that ecosystem and now you're part of that ecosystem right so if something's going to eat you you can taste different right like there's something different going on with you so these yeah. things are um that's how ecosystems work we're all interconnected you know again i say it all the time this is the only perfect spaceship ever built we're riding around on it we might want to clean it up. We sure, we sure are trying to make it not perfect. I know. We, maybe sure. we should clean it up. But, you know, every once in a while, Hapa, <sighs> every once in a while, humans surprise me. And uh, recently, there was, um, and the, again, this is your article, so I'm going to let you run with it. The first yeah, yeah. successful eye transplant. Yeah, man. Dude needed an eye. Doctor said, I got you, bro. Dude got an yeah. eye. An eye transplant. So and and to be clear, this wasn't the first attempt. They've done it a few times. Yes. Um, gentleman by the name of Aaron James. He used to be a I I don't know what the technical term is for his job, but he worked with with he was a lineman, right? High power electricity. Yeah, I guess lineman is technically what it is, and. He got I, I one of the things that I remember when I went through electronics and electrical school when I was in the Navy was it was always repeated over and over and over. You got to be careful because it'll reach out and bite you. Yep. And um, I'm trying to find the exact wattage or amperage that the young man got hit with. Young man. He's older than me, but um, he's 46. He he got zapped and. Essentially, he died on the spot. They revived him, but his face was badly burned. He lost his left eye. I think he lost one of his arms as well. Um, anyway, going back to this. So they've tried to do eye transplants numerous times, but rejection and, and everything. The eye is, is shown to be a, an especially annoying organ to try to transplant, mm. uh, mainly because of rejection. Um, so they have successfully transplanted a man's eye, and he actually is getting the eyesight slowly coming back, is, is what, I, what it said. So um, I, I, I think what's interesting in the article is where, where the surgeons actually says that they for every every transplant they learn from like every sure, single transplant sure. this one they they learned a tremendous amount as well um but to be clear the reason i put this article on there is because i i think it is also phenomenal what the medical field is doing in terms of 
replacement of various organs because there was also another article where I read where there was a gentleman that had a spine transplant also. Spine? Um, he had, yes, yeah, spine. He had Parkinson's really bad, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I guess it alleviated some of his shaking, um, having his spine replaced. I don't know how those two correlate. I don't. I didn't do the digging to to find that out, but it, same same time frame. Last couple weeks, they did a spine transplant. Um, the eye transplant, like obviously, sight is something that um, I think a lot of people definitely take for granted. Oh, I know, um, I certainly did. Right, I you heard yeah. that story from me. I, oh yeah, I'm older than I'm older, and uh, people think <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm beyond 23, and um, you know, I played baseball well into my 40s and had better than perfect vision my whole life. And took it for granted, uh, not yeah. not in a way that like I was very thankful for my eyesight, but you take for granted what it allows you to do because it's just the way you see, and you don't see what anyone yep. else sees. And vision is, it it changes your world when it shifts even a little. You know, I have I have some glasses. I wear them occasionally when I'm I'm at a computer. Or I'm reading. I don't need them all the time, but now that I put them on and I can see better, I realize. Right, how far my vision had gone. Even a little shift like that is life changing. So when you're talking about losing an eye oh, or yeah. losing vision altogether, yeah. especially you know this guy was 46, right? He was doing his yeah. job. He got hit by electricity. His eye wasn't the only thing that got messed up. This guy went through like a, a life altering set of things. And the fact that we can say, hey, you yeah. know what? We can get a new eye. We can hook you up. Maybe bring a little bit of your normalcy back. You get a new spine, right? You get a new heart, right? You were talking about hearts. Yeah. Was it pig hearts? I think you were talking about like the. Yeah, well, I'll get to that. But one of the things I wanted to mention about this guy specifically was they weren't giving him twenty twenty vision. To be clear, they were yeah. because the the eye had literally been, I mean, not to get too morbid, but it, it was removed from his face yeah. when he got hit. Um, so there was a, ga- a gaping hole there, and that's what they were doing was trying to put the organ back in. And hopefully restore some fun- functionality. And what actually turned out happening was his brain actually started interpreting vision, which wasn't supposed to be a, a product of this transplant. Mm. They were so this was unintended. The they eye. they were just trying to get a, yes. the guy to have an eye. But because yeah. it was part so of a face, it was actually part seeing... of a face transplant, right? So I guess it was correct. More seen for like. The cosmetic. I, I need an eye in Aesthetic. my in my head. Yes, and yes. and so they. So what you're saying is they did that, but then the brain was like, "I got this. I got this." Yeah, and and the surgeon even in there says it. This might be a fluke. Like we connected the optic nerves. We did not anticipate him getting vision back, but when they do, you know how they do the the optic check with the uh-huh. flashlight yeah. in the eye. Yes, they noticed that the the retina was constricting. And so that I was reacting. He was seeing the light. Yeah. And so oh, wow. he had said, you know, that the surgeon had said, well, evidently the brain saw the eye connected and is actually starting to interpret vision. That's amazing. Through the eye. And so, and that's why this was such a big deal because they, they not only connected the, the muscle and everything, but the actual nerves themselves and the optic line to the brain, which, I mean, again, somebody that's far more intelligent than I'd ever be that's able to see this stuff. I mean, that's that's crazy to me. But but yeah, so the first successful eye transplant, I mean, that's a big step, I think. So I do too. I, I, I do too. And like I'll you said, they learn every time. Google eyes. 
<laughs> a little floppy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The um, I was at a, I was doing some work, and um, a woman who does she's an educator, right? She's a she's a doctor, and she had these glasses that she had me wear, and they were some sort of prismatic glasses. And what it did was shifted your vision something like three inches to the left or three inches to the right. And so when you put them on, you see the room just as clear as everything. So you don't even know you've got glasses on. Sure. But everything in the room is actually three inches to the left or three inches to the right from what is normal. And what the illustration is, is you reach out. She's like, she holds something up. She's got to reach out and touch it. And you reach to the right of it, right? Yeah. She puts it down. Yeah. She reaches back and reach out to touch it. You're a little closer. She does that enough, like enough times, and this is like in the span of fifteen seconds. This is not a long process. Oh, your brain your, your brain has remapped to say that's crazy. I can see now where it, and you, you should reach up and touch it. Then you take them off, and guess what? Yeah, she holds it back up, and you reach to the left of you it. Now you're <laughs> the opposite. Yeah. So <laughs> the the ability for the human body to to repair itself, uh, to move yeah. forward. It, it, we're just scratching the surface of what we're able to do. And every time you have something like this where a doctor is like, hey, look, going to do an eye transplant, and it turns out a little bit better. They did a little different. He, his body reacted a little different. There's somebody else out there that's going to need an eye transplant, and they're going to know a little bit more next time. And over, yeah. like, over a, a long arc, humans are getting better at being humans and yeah. at repairing our bodies. And I think that's just fascinating. I hope that in 100 years... Right, that most ailments can be fixed. Of course, by then, only the rich people will be able to do it, and the poor people can just, you know, will be the ones giving up their yeah, eyes. Yeah, I but. mean, that's that's the big problem, right, is things are going to get more and more expensive, and pretty soon we're going to be in a world of Elysium where you know, all the rich people <laughs> live off the planet, mm-hmm. we're all on the planet, right? That's a good yeah. one, though. Um, yeah, I mean, but it, so, like, getting get to the heart thing we're talking about, though, that one is interesting because I always remember through the years i don't know why this always stuck out to me but i always remember reading that pig hearts or pig organs are the closest to human organs so the idea of science fiction years ago was that perhaps someday you could grow a human heart in a pig and then use that as a transplantable organ okay so we're at a point now where just the last couple weeks they had a pig with a genetic, genetically modified heart. Okay. That heart transplanted into a human, and that human has been living for the last three months on this heart with no rejection symptoms. Okay, that's amazing. Right? Like, so... And they were on a heart transplant list for however long. I don't know, but... Yeah. But yeah. yeah, pig hearts are easier to get than human hearts. Obviously. Yes. Obviously. Plus, pig's good. Pig's yummy, so... I like some pork belly. I'm not gonna lie. It's it, it's like a twofer kind of thing. You, know, you get a heart and you don't waste anything. <laughs> yeah, waste not, want not. Right, right. I'm just saying. Yeah. The so the so this person's been living for how long now? With this uh, with the pig heart. The I think the last well the article I read was a few weeks old, but at that time it, they had said it was several months. So, hmm. and they did mention that they were still trying to figure out if this is a temporary fix while you wait on mm-hmm. a list for mm-hmm. a compatible human heart or if they could permanently yeah is this just good to go be how amazing so, how amazing so we've talked about and i think eyes, that's the idea right is the long term crazy yeah yeah and i and i think that's 
that's the discussion here, right, is the long-term. That's probably what they're doing, is they're trying to see what the long-term effects of sure. having this heart, you know. Because um, hearts are heart. I mean, I don't think people realize how difficult um, transplanting organs in general is uh, from besides the obvious, like, supply of where do you get <laughs> Yeah, besides this, the getting organs. getting of an organ, yes. But the fact that you may have all the the things in line to show that yep. you're compatible, yep. they do the transplant and then it gets rejected for whatever reason. Yeah, and that and know. there's really no there's no perfect perfected way of knowing whether that's going to happen or not. That, that's something yeah. that maybe you're right. People don't don't necessarily realize, but um, even with bone grafts, right? If you ever have to have a, yes. a bone graft, which I've had to have a bone graft, right? And they start talking to you about, well, do you want cadaver bone, right? You want a bone from another human. Or do you want artificial bone? And yeah. the que- like, the question the first time you have to hear that is like, wait, what did you just ask me? You know, because because oh, yeah. to, to me oh, yeah. it's been a bone graft until today, and the doctor's like, yeah, so yeah. you can get, you know, you can get um, cadaver bone, right, which came out of another human being, or you can get bone that we grew in a lab, and I'm. I remember my mind being blown and I was like, I really don't know what I think about having another human's bone in it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You start oh, thinking yeah. about that, but then you ask the question, you know, what is a synthetic bone? What are the, what's the differences? Well, people more often reject the, the synthetic yep. bone. And so. Which makes sense. Your body knows that it's not real. And yeah. So it gets rejected. Yeah. Any, any, any. I had that in my my left shoulder. I had a complete soldier, a soldier, so, shoulder reconstruction. Uh-huh. And so I have cadaver tendons you cadaver? throughout my entire cadaver? shoulder. Yeah, I went with synthetic. Yeah, they asked me the same thing. I remember that. Yeah. I went with synthetic. I, you know, and I remember, I remember um, many years after that, right? So mine's actually right here in my face. And so uh, many years after that, I was uh, doing some work and uh, found myself in a lab um, where they were doing experimental biomed research and they were actually sure. working with bone grafts. And one of the things that they have with bone grafts is part of the, you know, rejection is part of it, but also it can grow in ways that are unpredictable. Meaning you're, you're oh. instead of it growing back to like a smooth bone or wherever you're, it could get jagged, it can do a lot of things. And they were trying to work out, you know, what, how to make that less common. Interesting. Yeah. And so what people are doing is, oh, these guys, these, these folks, man, they were, it was crazy, right? So, so story time, right? But they were like, hey, let's graft in some DNA from a certain frog and a certain lizard so that under a black light, the, the grafted bone glows a different right. color. So that we can see yeah. exactly under a microscope which is parts grafted and where it's growing, because they have to be able to do that. Otherwise, it just becomes one bone. Um, yeah. And so the stuff that humans are doing for other humans, if you look in the right places, is pretty fantastic and pretty amazing. And so what you're saying is your nose glows under blacklight? No, I didn't. No, these. Uh, I, oh. I just went with the old. Uh, <laughs> I went with the old synthetic bone, and we're good to go. But uh, yeah, the the lab folks. Um, that was pretty interesting to watch, right? To see. It's funny that you mentioned that that question because I hadn't really, so I had my shul- reconstructive shoulder surgery back in two thousand seven. So I, I really did a lot of damage. I just separated my pec from my shoulder. A lot of people don't realize your pec muscle wraps uh-huh. up and over your shoulder. I separated that. The, I tore the over worst 50% way of to realize cartilage. it is the way you realize oh, it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah. percent, hundred percent. I had no idea. Yeah, 
um, you know, I everything that could go wrong in a shoulder went wrong. Um, and when they went the same thing, they asked me that question. I, it's funny because thinking back on it now, I re, I remember having a pause. Oh yeah, in my. Th- like the doctors just spill it off it's just, all kinds of it's things. Just, it's just part of the checklist yeah. for the doctor. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what did you just ask me? I have to make a choice of it. Yeah, it's exactly how that conversation yeah. went. I could, I, I was like, I want real bone, but does this mean I'm gonna have like zombie pieces right? in me? Like I don't understand. Right? Is know, my soul like, still my it. own? Like what happens here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's it might sound silly for some, but it is a when you're having a major surgery like that, it is something that you kind of just randomly will think about. And and I remember saying, well, at the time they asked me what's the best option, or I asked, I asked them what, what the best option was. And for a shoulder specifically, the cadaver is always what you want to do because it's already had flexing to it. Mm. It's already been, you know, it's accustomed to movement. And so the recovery is not as as bad you know for a joint like that and so that's what i remember i remember going through that but i mean and you think about about i mean if you think of that we were just talking about you know eye transplants right and every time you do it you get better so when you're talking about someone knows that cadaver works better than synthetic and there's a reason they know that because somebody got it wrong at some point yeah, and um, a bit, a back to engineering in the medical field, they do a really good job of saying, well, "I think we'll write that down and tell the next crew uh, that didn't go right. That didn't go so well. We're not sure why, but uh, let's let's work well, on think it." Think about like hip replacements. Like, oh how my far god, hip replacements have come, and like I remember when I was young, I had a great uncle that had a hip. Like every ten years, he was getting a hip replacement, mm. and it was literally because they were learning how to do yeah. hip replacements. Yep, yeah. I, I mean, so every every generation, as you said, they learn the better techniques, yeah. and that to me is like, no, I don't want you cutting into me every ten years. Yeah, to replace no, the joint. I, like, that's not what I want. The, the uh, if you've ever heard of Dr. Andrews, um, orthopedic surgeon, right, legendary orthopedic surgeon, his practice was still is here in in Birmingham and um hip replacement Bo Jackson right hurt his hip uh, sure. but Bo Jackson was such a if you've never seen the ESPN 30 on 30 with Bo Jackson you have got to watch it it is one of the best but when he tore his hip out of socket he had never been injured his body was so unbelievably strong that he didn't know it, what yeah. an injury was and so he yeah. didn't go tell anybody you know, he'd been hit, yeah. right? He'd been, he'd had dings here and there, but he'd never been injured. And so he didn't tell anybody. Right. But what had happened is his, he had separated his hip. And what, uh, in that 30 on 30, what Dr. Andrews talks about is if he had told me that day, I would have had him fixed. But because he didn't, oh, it actually, man. the bone started to die. That's what, the only reason he had yeah. to have a hip replacement. But the statement there that you're making is fascinating to me. Oh, if he had told me that day, we would have had him fixed. That's how far we've come if you've got enough money and your oh, your yeah. hip's important enough, right? If you're Bo Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, the Raiders would probably pay for that. So it, we have come a long way. Yeah. Orthopedics have come a long way. Um, the ability for doctors to repair our bodies has come a long way. Um, yeah. And we're coming along, you know, and hopefully we continue. We've got, you know, eyes, maybe eyes are next. Maybe teeth. Regenerating their enamel is, is on the horizon. Right. How great would it be if, yeah, if yeah. the dentist wasn't, you know, a drill into your brain experience every time you went. Like, wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> right. Yeah, I just, 
I think it's funny because my left my left arm is actually shorter than my right arm. Are you serious? So the navy. So at some point, the navy went so long that that I was my the ball of my shoulder. I was dis. I there was a point before I got the surgery. I did was dislocating my shoulder. Not kidding you. Every okay. single day. So, it got to a point where I was dislocating my shoulder and it didn't hurt yeah, anymore. Yep. It would just happen. Yeah. So you and I have never talked about and this. And I would just right? grab like, it. And anybody who's listening, full disclosure, in. we have never had this yeah, conversation. Yeah. I've torn both yeah, of my yeah, rotator yeah. cuffs. And so I've had issues with both of mine. And what you're talking about where it'll come out of socket and back in and out of socket and back yep. in. Yep. That is one of the weirdest experiences. Having had that experience, that's one of the weirdest oh, yeah. experiences. And people don't... people. People sleep on how important your shoulder is. If your shoulder hurts, you hurt. Yeah. You, that's just it. Yeah, when you yeah. sleep, how are you going to sleep? Yeah. Right? How are you going to roll over in the middle oh, of the yeah, night? Oh, yeah, and I sleep on this side. Right. I sleep on this side, so right. it's, like, even worse, right? Yeah. Yeah, shoulders yeah. shoulders are for real, man. So I'm glad you got it repaired. Does it give you any problems? Give you any problems now? Honestly, this shoulder is stronger yeah. than this one now yeah. because I when when I went to the, sur- the the orthopedic surgeon, which, by the way, the surgeon that did the work on this was the number one orthopedic surgeon on the West Coast. I was his last operation. He left the Navy and started a uh, personal practice mm. right after mm. I did. He did this work on my shoulder. So he did a fantastic job. And I went to all the physical therapy and yeah, all that. Uh, stuff. Which is like, and that's the thing that a lot of people that, don't. Do, you are 100 percent right? Like, right. Do not yeah, sleep yeah. on PT. Yeah. 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 Oh God. I remember there was a point cause my ex-wife used to come to come with me to all the physical therapy appointments. And there was two, two guys that was two guys. There's two people that were the, my physical therapist. One was a guy, one was a girl. I called a girl Brunhilde cause it was a, a very big, she was a, a five foot 11 African-American woman, right. very muscular. Right Now last time we did the I podcast, you talked about how international this podcast is. So right now oh, so yeah. there is a, there is a, oh, yeah. there's a chance of less than zero chance that someone Possibly. named Brunhilde is like, what did he just say? <laughs> what did he just say? <laughs> and the other guy, I called him Bubba. And Bubba was, and Brunhilde? I called it Bubba and Broodhilda, and there was a point where I remember, because they have to, so people don't realize when you get the shoulder surgery done, they mobilize your arm. And yeah. then when they mobilize yeah. your arm, it stays that way for however long, yep. and then you go to physical therapy, and at physical therapy, because inside you have scar tissue, Oh yeah, that scar tissue has to be broken. They gotta break it. And yep. And they did, in fact, break it. When they break it, it is one of the most excruciating pains. And I, I remember specifically Bubba actually sat across me, straddled my, my abdomen. Uh-huh. And he looked at me and said, at the time, I think I was the second class. And he was like, FC2, this is definitely going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt you. Because he joked like that all the time. Yeah. And all they do is they have your arm like this and they slowly okay. just force it I did. until it goes through range of motion. That moment for me, that moment right there that you're talking about. So so I go to the I go to PT and I am dead serious when I say do not sleep on PT. The surgery is the yeah, surgery yeah. All, PT. Go do your PT. If you do yeah, your PT, yeah, yeah, you yeah. will get better. Because the P, the yes, the surgeons are wizards, the PTs are wizards too. The physical therapists are wizards. For sure. Yeah. So I go yeah. and uh, go to my first visit. It's the exact same thing you're talking about, right? I, this thing's not mobile. Go to my first visit, and my physical therapist, I've never met these people before, so I don't have a preference yet as to who I like, who I don't like, and right. you know, whatever. <laughs> so I'm just like walking in and saying, who is who? Don't know anybody. Yeah. I walk in, and a woman, I hear screaming, right? Angry screaming, yelling. And it's in this mm-hmm. back office. A woman comes out of that office. She's got to be 16 months pregnant, 
right? So she comes out of this back office. She's like 16 five foot pregnant. one, 16 <laughs> months pregnant, right? And so she comes yeah. out and she is fuming about something. Well, I'm just some dumb kid from Alabama, right? And I'm like, I'm just here to get sure. my shoulder fixed. And so she she puts me on the table, right? And she's like, she starts doing the thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so for so me, it was bad. for me, I was in a, a laying down position, like a, an incline position, not completely flat, but yeah, yeah, like yeah. laying down. So she's yeah. like bringing it up and I'm just like, wow. And like the pain is, is, is for real, real. And so then yeah. she rolls. Oh, yeah, she, I saw stars. Yeah, she actually rolls me over and she does it again. And then yep. she rolls me back over and she goes to do it again. And she goes, are you okay? And I was like, this hurts. And she goes, yeah, I told you to tell me if it gets to an eight of a 10. And I was like, no, ma'am, you didn't. <laughs> and she said, well, your body's going into shock. So apparently I was like cold sweating. I was shaking and I, my eyes were dilating. And she was like, are you okay? And I'm like, sure. About to call a crash card right. on you. I was like, sure. And she's like, was I, that was that much pain? I was like, that was as much as I've ever felt. You know, I mean, oh, I figured man. you're the PT, right? Like, yeah. And if you're going to do I'll physical do therapy, you do. right. You're going to do it, do it. But she's about to tear yeah, that thing off. Yeah. She's about to tear it off and beat me with it. Yeah, I, I remember my ex-wife specifically because when when he lifted my arm, I was just crying. Mm -hmm. I, I just mm -hmm. I didn't I don't really scream if I'm in pain mm -hmm. or scared. I just I react. And I remember I was crying because it, it hurt that much and I saw sprites. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. You, when he, yeah. And you could and I'll, and by the way, you could hear it. You could hear uh. the scar tissue popping while they're moving uh. it, right? And I remember my ex-wife literally got up and left. She just left. She went out <laughs> she to the car. Anymore. Like she couldn't. <laughs> she couldn't watch watch it. But but the cool thing about PT was they do that, but then they immediately do pain management. So yeah. Yeah. massage, ice, electrify, yeah. whatever they need to do. And I will tell you, after the pain of whatever that was, that part of it, the pain relief, yeah. was the best thing ever. Yeah. Like that yeah. ever happened to me. And. And at the end of it, like you said, after all that PT, this shoulder is definitely stronger than this shoulder. I have full range of motion. I don't. I have pain, but the pain is because I have nerve damage from the Navy ignoring it for so mm, long. Gotcha. So, like they strip told me, like you've got damaged nerves in your shoulder and in your back that are just they're randomly firing yeah. constantly yeah. because you're never going to fix. Which that. is its own unique kind of pain too. So, oh, it's like <laughs> I get struck by lightning in one, one spot. One of the things, yeah. <laughs> One of the things I try to tell people is is people that have chronic pain, no, people that don't have chronic pain really do not understand what chronic pain mm -hmm, is. Mm -hmm. Like, like people will say they have chronic pain when they really don't. Right. Chronic pain is a legitimately, like, psychologically, emotionally, physically draining yep. thing. Yep. And if and you really don't have it if you don't have all those effects. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, I, I've been fortunate. I've been very abusive to my body, my life, um, just through sports. You know, I haven't. Not, yeah. not like Ozzy Osbourne abusive, but, you know, more like, uh, you know, sports, right? And you tear your body up. But yeah. I have been pretty fortunate to get to get to the point where, you know, as many injuries as, in, injuries as I've had, as many injuries as I've yeah. recovered from, um, I've ended up in a pretty good spot. You have, you know, pops and crackles, but I would never call anything I've got chronic pain because I know yeah. people who have had chronic pain and you have yeah, to learn yeah. To manage it's a it's a thing you learn to manage not a thing you learn to ignore not a, you learn to manage it every day so it's For it's sure. a it's a real thing uh but you know what maybe with all these um with all these 
things that we're doing in medicine, maybe we'll learn to to help you know, nerves. Nerves are one that they have a hard time with. Um, yeah. And yeah. so I've got two places on my body where nerves are dead from a surgery, right? And and when you're just like, you know, one of them is the end of my thumb. And as someone who's a musician, that's a thing. Oh, yeah. You know, so um, yeah. it, it if they can get nerves figured out, that'd be a big one. Um, and also with all the, yeah. you know, the eating habit. Hopefully. Let's talk about eating. So segue. <laughs> was, was that your attempt at a segue? Yeah, that was my attempt at a segue. That one's gonna suck. That one, that one, I'm gonna edit that one out. Normally he's you're really good at segues, yeah, man. That one I didn't. But have. we are all over the place with our segues. We are, we are, and uh, and we're actually you know we're doing pretty good on time, but I don't want us to run out. So this one's gonna be I think one yeah. we want to talk about. This is one um, in particular. You know I, I mentioned at the top of the podcast um, that some of these things we were ta- gonna talk about tonight. We've been talking about an ongoing. Yep. fashion the nasa exploration stuff we've definitely been talking about that a lot <clears throat> we we have a tendency to talk about uh natural disasters as they occur in the air impact or not natural disasters disasters in nature right the, the humans have caused we tend to talk about those full disclosure like we said neither of us are, are hopping on a boat in greenpeace style uh, but we both care about the <laughs> planet and one that we've been talking about for a minute and i'm going to let you drive on this is yep. lab grown protein meat right uh, meat that didn't come from slaughtering an animal and uh we started didn't come from an animal <laughs> period yeah well we started this <laughs> what four podcasts ago i think we started talking about four this and, ago, yeah. and it was a story of a company out in california and it had some investors i think it made some waves and getting some new investment and stuff and california was talking about yep. allowing them to take this meat and put it on menus at certain restaurants so this stuff's starting to be as crazy as it sounded, and as much as I got to be honest, listening back to that that podcast, as much as we kind of don't want to take it seriously, right? You want to joke about it? It's real. It's real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm full doomsday with this subject. Like yeah. this, this, I'm actually getting a little bit of trepidation and being a little bit scared about it because, to me at least, when we originally talked about this, this was just a hey, this is this is happening. It's not really that big of a deal you know we figured out a way to grow chicken breast in a vat without a chicken (laughs) right right it's essentially what it is okay um and so you and i grab a lot of our news or a lot of our topics from ap news website but every single week that i look there is always some new article about well now they call it uh cult Meat cultivated cells is now what they're called. Uh, hang on, <laughs> I'm have to. I'm have to write meat cultivated cells. Yes. Okay, so that's Which the still term. Sounds like vat grown meat. To me. <laughs> it's, it's what it sounds. I'm like. gonna say it's, it is an improvement over vat grown meat, but it's not a big one. <laughs> I don't think so. I still don't think so. Right? I, no. But, but the reason that I, I, I brought it to Seven's attention this time specifically is there's a whole section in the AP News that the topic is the protein problem. And and that what the reason they're bringing that up is there's an article in here about ranching, cattle ranching. Yep. There's an article in here about taste testing of the meat cultivated cells. There's an article in here about how uh, vegans and vegetarians are attempting to make plant-based products more palatable to folks that prefer meat. That was actually um, one of my questions the first time one. we talked about it was, 
yeah. is it vegan? Right. I, that seems yeah. like a gray area to me. I don't think we we don't I don't think we have an answer for I, that yet. I don't. Really. I, haven't heard I mean, one, it's no. yeah, it's me. It's still. But anyway, um, I, I bring this up because the article, the taste testing that they talk about, they uh, originally when the the vat grown meat got approved by the FDA to be served to humans, there was a restaurant in Boston and a, a restaurant in L.A. that had already put in orders to try to get meat get the vat grown meat <laughs> i'm gonna have a problem with this you yeah, already nah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what is it meat cultivated put cells in, put in there you go put in <laughs> put on the menu and every picture every video anything that i've tried to look at that has shown this stuff it doesn't look like it doesn't look like meat. it doesn't even look like what chicken nuggets look like. You know how chicken nuggets is like extruded, <laughs> compacted, extruded shaped meat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't even look like that. To me, it looks more like tofu than it does yeah, yeah, yeah. meat. Right. Um, and the taste tests, the people blind taste tests, they couldn't, they couldn't tell the difference, I guess in, in the taste. Um, but the reason, let me backtrack. The reason I, I, I really want to talk about this is what concerns me is the idea and there's a line in the article that talked about a bunch of fast food restaurants oh gosh yeah looking at starting to put this in their uh, yeah food yeah i can see that and not talking about it yeah no i can i you know what i had not thought about that at all until the moment yes. you just said it and be wow. because it already appears to be cheaper yeah than buying chicken sure. from a chicken farm. Sure, if Subway can 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 have their own vat farm, right? That's got to be yes. way better than paying farmers and dealing with all the things that go agriculturally with chickens. Yes. Oh my gosh, I had not thought about that. But you know, and the reason the the food that's fast food too, you could really hide if there are any flavor discrepancies because it's so much salt and sugar. Right, yes. that people expect that. Like they, the reason you go eat, and it's fast food, right? So the texture of the chicken nugget isn't the kid isn't really probably looking for that, right? right? He's looking right. for the the fried fatty right. flavor. Looking for a McNugget, man. Right. What was the what was the and show? I think that's what, <laughs> where the kids. What was the chef that wanted to make actual chicken for the kids? And anyway, we'll go back to that. I'll, I'll forget. Well, that's another podcast. Huh. You know what I'm talking about? He, he was, but, but, yeah. Anyway. I, I I vaguely do, but I'm not. I don't know the name either. But but this does scare me. But and they specifically and this is what kind of surprises me. By the way, was Chick Fil A was one of the the restaurants that was on the list that was looking to get this chicken. Chick Fil A. That kind of surprised me. That yes. That kind of surprises me that they were on that list. Yeah, that surprises me too. Given the form of their food, doesn't surprise me that McDonald's is on there, Burger King's on there. You know, yeah, no, absolutely. Like there's but, certain, certain you would expect, right? Right. Chick Fil A. So Chick -fil -A. I guess my question right, is: At what point That's do what I need to call my congressman and? Oh, yeah, okay. Chick. Yeah, Chick Fil A. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> at what point do I need to call my congressman and tell him I need you to make it law that there's a sticker or or a sign or something saying that this is not chicken from a chicken, like? Like, you can't even call it chicken. You have to call it something else. Well, that's the thing, man. Like, 
So the debate that we had originally, right? And and it was Jamie Oliver. Thank you, Rita, uh, for bringing that up in chat here on YouTube. That was Jamie Oliver did a show. And and I think this is pertinent, right? And he, uh, celebrity chef, right? And he's like, kids yeah. want chicken McNuggets. It was specifically the McNugget, right? And it's this pressed formed. Oh, it's it's chicken meal, it, right? It's, right. It's this into a goo nugget. that they turn into these nuggets. Yeah. And he's like, if kids knew what yeah. was in it. I bet oh, yeah. they'd want the real thing. And he had all these kids come in and he made real like he made real chicken like nuggets with them. And it's Jamie Oliver, so it's probably good stuff. And then he said, Now yeah. let me show you how they make these. And it was like the pink blah, blah, blah. And he gave them out. Well, at the end of it, and this was really hilarious and sad, but at the end of it, he goes, All right, kids, we've got the chicken nuggets you made, and we got the ones that are at McDonald's. Every kid chose McDonald's. Yeah. So because there's so much chemical crap in there that makes you want that stuff. <laughs> yes. And I can so see fast food restaurants being the ones 100%. in line to be like, it's not going to be your top end restaurant, right? They, they value the bone in. Well, there are a couple top end restaurants that are wanting to serve this on their, on their menu though. So that's got to be a gimmick. There's no, I, you go in, if I go in and I'm like, I want a I'm quarter baked chicken, for, you know, Mediterranean baked chicken to some Greek restaurant and they try to give me something that looks like a tofu. Oh man. That'd be the last time I go. Well, and the thing that upsets me the most about this is we're, I don't think we're necessarily admitting the problem of things that are the chemical reproduction of whatever product, right? Like we are all, you see it all the time that there, it's believed that this is producing cancers and what have you. And we talked about it in the past podcast where California is actually banning certain dyes yep. and they're banning certain yep. chemicals that they're not allowed to be in the food and et cetera, et cetera. So our bodies are not meant to filter out or process a lot of these chemicals that we are putting into foods to mimic the taste of mm -hmm. actual food. So, why would we think for one moment that there's there's no side effect, negative side effect to your body attempting to process meat that actually isn't meat, that didn't actually walk around eating stuff? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how, how and, and, and is that again, are we going back to the human hubris thing that we don't need Mother Nature? We can do it all ourselves? Like, is that where we're I mean, at the other now? side, like, the devil's advocate only. The other side of that coin is the, the environmental impact of consumerism, agriculture. Sure. Right. Sure. And I'm not talking about agriculture. I'm not going to say that. Like, if you go make a garden in your backyard and you grow your veggies and you eat your veggies and you have a couple of chickens, this is not what I'm talking about. That is, that is yeah. sustainable. That is sustenance living. That is a beautiful thing, yeah, in my yeah. opinion. But when you go, yeah. when you go where I live, and you go and you look enough, and you start seeing the chicken, the huge chicken houses, and these things, there's a real impact to be talked about. The way that we eat wings, right, and the consumerism yeah. mentality that we have is enough is never quite enough, and there probably is a limit to how much we can sustainably farm. And yeah. so there is an argument to be made there about we got to find a better, a better way to do it. We got to find better ways to treat the animals. I am, I'm an animal guy again, just like I'm not a Greenpeace guy. I'm not a PETA guy, but if I see someone abusing an animal, I got a problem with it. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, there's arguments to I be mean, made there. Do you there. think that it could be solved by just trying to, well, it would definitely be just a try because you couldn't do it. 
to get people to, to waste not want not kind of thing you know like, i think a lot of it could be uh, the amount of stuff that gets you know my wife and i so so my where growing up my dad thought it was important i understand where food came from so right um he grew up uh he grew up he was a 4-h guy right he grew up tending to people's farms he was not a farm kid he was right. a farm hand right and so every morning he would go tend the farm for people he would do the work that you do on a farm and so it was very important for to him it was very important for me to know where my food came from so i have slaughtered animals I have watched animals be, I have grown animals and then slaughtered them. I have raised farms. Right. I have done all the things that you do to generate the kind of food that you eat on a day-to-day -day basis. So I have a, I place a probably inordinate amount of value compared to most people on what it means sure. if you're eating a chicken, right? That was, I know what it takes to, to raise a chicken, birth a chicken, raise yeah. a chicken, yeah. kill a chicken, clean a chicken, eat a chicken, right? And yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And I think that when you appreciate that and when you do that, you tend not to throw it in the trash. Right. Right. You tend to value the value that you want to make it work. You want to make it Less. work. It was a life that was sacrificed yeah. for your benefit, whether yeah. you see animals as, you know, below you or not. It was a life that was extinguished so right. you could enjoy it. I enjoy meat. I am not anti meat. Yeah. I eat yeah. meat. Yeah. I'm just saying use it. You know, don't throw away half of, don't go buy six pounds when you could do with one and some veggies. Yeah. Right. Like, and yeah, I do think, I do think waste not, want not could be a big impact. I really do. And, and I, cause I say that because, you know, I think I told you this before. I have a relative that they don't eat beef um, and they aren't against people eating beef around them, but they don't eat beef as a personal choice because of the, the cattle, how cattle are taken care of, and yada, 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 which I do agree. If you drive through Northern California and you go through the cattle ranches in Northern yep. California, you 100% see it. There's thousands of cows oh, yeah. shoved oh, yeah. into very small areas, yep. um, which is another reason why I love this state. It's It doesn't happen as often. Most of the times you come across a cattle ranch in Texas, they've got a 1,000 acres, and you'll see one or two cows. Yep. And then off in the distance, yep. one or two cows. And off in the distance. And because they've got this, all this land, they're not trying to maximize their cattle sure, sure. Um, in that area. It's not a so factory. it's not as correct. Yeah. So I could totally understand that. And, and I think that's where, again, I, maybe the human hubris and greed gets in place because we want to do the most with the least, right? So Absolutely. We want to maximize profits. In, inhumane situations. And, and, you know, the ones that need to do it the most are you, back to fast food, right? They're making the least profit yeah. margin on the product that they're providing to the public because they have yeah. to price it so low. If you're at a restaurant and you're going to pay $150 for a steak, there's a lot more room in there for them to say, no, I'm willing to pay more for the cow to have a better life. Right. right. So, yeah, I, I definitely think uh, some friends of mine, they they actually buy whole cows. And what I mean by that is actually buy and raise a cow. And then they have that cow slaughtered and that's their meat. And yeah, that cow lives a great life, you know, and um, the kids, not mine, theirs, because um, mine don't know the cow, but the cow has a name. Those kids feed it every day and they cry when it dies and they love eating the burgers. Right. So like. It's the, that's kind of the circle of life for them. And there's something to be said for people being that close. This is something else we cover on the podcast yeah. quite a bit. Uh, people yeah. being that close to the food that they're going to eat. Whether it, honestly, whether it's, we're talking about protein, but it, it's the same thing with veggies, right? It's the same thing with, with 
yeah, appreciating yeah. the farmland and what it took to get a strawberry to your death to your table. You know how hard it is to grow and yeah. ship a fresh strawberry. It's mind blowingly difficult. The fact that you have a strawberry yeah. on your table that is a modern miracle, right? And that applies to a lot of our stuff. So supporting local farms, you know, actually doing that instead of buying big commercialized brands, all those things could help. And I think people should take those things seriously. I know you, you talk about farm to table quite a bit. So that local. Yeah. And I, I try as best I can to buy local. I mean, that's going to be the best for me and it's going to be the best for the farm. So, I mean, it's definitely something I want to do. I don't think people recognize how much, especially if you live inside of urban areas, if you live inside a city, oh, yeah. um, how much goes in and comes out um, and, and how much of that is waste. And it's kind of ridiculous mm -hmm. if you do a little bit of a dive into that specifically because I remember I read somewhere it's like if if let's say society fell today, I, I if I remember correctly, everyone that lives inside a city, so inside a city limits would be dead within 30 days. Mm. Everyone. Because literally it, it's every city is like Hawaii. Like everything has to be shipped in. Oh yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. shipped out absolutely. to get get it out of there. Everything. And so the idea that, you know, I like I said, I I think that is more of a problem than the the impact of agriculture on the the world. I think it's our our waste. Like we just oh, sure. waste too we much. We just throw stuff away. We, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, Reed actually said it's a good point. Um, Rita said in YouTube chat, a local steak has less footprint than an avocado that has flown across the ocean. And that's a that's, that's a probably probably the perfect way to end that segment because yeah. that is just true. A local For steak sure. has less footprint than an avocado that has flown across the ocean. And it tastes better. It does. <laughs> you're, not, you're not starving an hour later. No. The steak toast doesn't work as well. Okay, so Happa. <laughs> <laughs> and all the millennials cried out at once. <laughs> I like avocado Those toast. Those two don't, guys don't, are a bunch of meaty, yeah, don't add me. freaking conservatives. I, I like avocado <laughs> toast. Don't add me. Um, so Happa, right? my man, we got it. We've yeah. got about 29 minutes left. That's probably about perfect for this last couple of segments. But uh, what are yeah. you watching? I've been going hardcore into old episodes of a series I watched back in the day called In the Mind of a Chef. Okay. If you have not heard of this show, In the, In Mind, the Mind of, of a, a Chef, chef, it, right. chef it, was, it was a TV series that was narrated by Anthony Bourdain. Mm. You all know I'm, a, oh, I'm yeah. still a fanboy today of that man. Um, and what it literally did is every season was episode after episode after episode of one chef. So like Sean Brock was was a chef that they followed for an entire season. And then after that was, you know, David Chang and then so on and so forth. And what it was, was the trip that a chef took down the the line of what their thought process is when they created menu items or they created a restaurant or they you know like if you have if you so have you heard of sean brock before nope 
So from the South, if you haven't heard of Sean Brock, I highly doubt you, or I highly suggest you go and you look up Sean Brock. Sean okay. Brock is, he's he's more of an Appalachia guy, okay. but he goes all the way into the Deep South with a lot of his foods. And what he does specifically is as much as possible with heirloom everything. Heirloom vegetables, heirloom seeds, heirloom way of cooking, so wh- great what's heirloom like happen? great-grandmother's cooking. Heirloom is so. First of all, if if you get like heirloom vegetables, case in point, that's not something you're probably going to find in your local grocery store nine times out of ten. That is a the original like oh, the specimen a of a tomato yeah. okay. or whatever. Yeah. So, um, and he has this project where people literally send him heirloom seeds yep. of vegetables and stuff that may not even be grown anymore. And he'll grow them, and then he'll eat them, and he'll figure out menu items. And then he's got three. Well, he's got one restaurant, restaurant, excuse me, in I think either Louisville or Nashville. I can't remember, but that's his restaurant. That's kind of a higher end eating. And then he's got two more restaurants in the Carolinas, um, and they do everything is locally grown. So like they literally have vegetables and stuff they grow out back, and that's what they pick from, and then locally sourced meats and stuff like that. But anyway, in the mind of a shelf chef, that's what they do. And a lot of the recipes that they cook, it's stuff that you could actually do at home. Like you don't need a you know five-star kitchen in order to do a lot of these recipes because a lot of it is just food from the heart. And that's all it boils down to. And it, if you've ever watched No Reservations or um, Parts Unknown or any of the shows that Anthony Bourdain had when he was still alive doing series – Almost all of the chefs follow that same mentality. They kind of go down memory lane because that's typically what drives people to do chef work is maybe my grandma cooked this way or whatever. I want to learn how to do it and stuff like that. Amazing show. It it really breaks into the psychology behind cooking and, you know, the idea that, you know, chefs often cook out of love and, you know, and how to enjoy food and enjoy life, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great series. It's free. Matter of fact, it's on YouTube. You can look it up in the mind of a chef um, or you you could probably look at it on on Netflix as well, but it was a PBS series, so it's free out there. But uh, yeah, fantastic. Seriously, it really is worth a watch. Yeah, I might have to check that out. But if you're a food nerd like me, I mean. Well, and and I knew of Sean Brock through the... um through the seeds, right, and doing doing the, yeah. the work to have new types of grits, right, from a from a type of yep. corn, exactly. that, right. It's yep. those are the kind of things that that I knew of Sean Brock from. So, um, and anything Anthony Bourdain did is just to me is on point. I you know he he had yeah. great wit, yeah. um, well spoken, um, pointed, right, yep. uh, kind of unapologetic, and just had a really good. Really good way to deliver some of those things. Um, so yeah, yeah, I did. Well, that sounds that sounds fun. So, that sounds fun. Yep. So, what you listening to? So what I'm listening to. Um, we don't have enough time for me to geek out on this, but I'm gonna. <laughs> and you're stuck having to listen to me, right? So hey, man, I'm here for it. So one of my favorite albums of all time, and I contend one of the greatest albums humans may ever hear is random access memories from daft punk and oh man there's a reason right so um i want to give the story before i tell you what i've been listening to so daft punk um got pretty well known right uh electronic couple of french guys they they wear robot heads and do electronic music 
I'm not an electronic music fan. So just full disclosure, that is not, I, I, I enjoy it from time to time. I do not go deep into the, the house scene or anything, you know, any of, any of the things that are there. But Daft Punk got a little bit popular, got a little bit of money, and they decided to do an homage to disco. Disco, the oh. dance music from late 70s, early 80s. Sure. So Random Access Memories is an homage to disco. Now, here's what's special okay. about that album. A lot of people would know the music from that album. A lot of the songs on that album were very, very popular. They were played in a lot of places. <laughs> but it was special because it was two electronic musicians who flew all over the world and found musicians to play that music. That music is actually played. So when you listen to Random Access Memories, oh, wow. that is a bass guitar being played. That is a guitar being played. That is a person playing the drums. That is a person playing the keyboards. It was sure. not done on a really concise, really precise MIDI track, which is the way most electronic musicians do electronic music, which is why it has yeah. a sound. So one of the things about electronic music um, <laughs> is it's it's perfect, right? And And one of the things musicians will tell you is music is made in imperfection, right? Not in perfection. And so the, the real thing is the human struggle about try to be perfect to play music leads yeah. to you being close to perfection, but in fact, imperfect. And humans, that resonates with other humans because you know it's a human doing a thing and you're connected there. So having said all of that, <clears throat> um, it was really interesting. Daft Punk did this thing. They met all these musicians and they realized in this process, holy crap, we're not musicians. Right, it really led to a bit of a bit of an existential crisis. If you read some of the interviews with them, that they were like, "These people are amazing." Now, what? But I think they may have with the, some of the interviews I have read. I think what they may have missed is, yes, you got one of the best bass players to ever pick up a bass guitar to play that bass line for your song. You did, and yes, that is probably a better musician than you will ever be. That's a better right. musician than maybe anyone will ever be. But that person does not have the vision you have to put together the whole picture, and. So sure. immediately after Random Access Memories, Disney hired them. They went and did the Tron soundtrack, um, and they did that with the Disney Orchestra, which I think just compounded the issue. And they were like, yeah. oh, my God, now there's a room full of these lunatics who are you know, <laughs> able to do all these amazing things with music. And then they quit. Yeah, so yeah. then they quit. Yeah. I'm not saying they, they quit. They legitimately did. They did. Yeah. yeah, they quit. They said, we can't do it anymore. Um, and a pretty spectacular style as well. So. The reason I'm bringing all this up is two Fridays ago, so the Friday before Thanksgiving, two Fridays ago, Daft Punk re-released Random Access Memories, but they re-released it with no drum tracks. So for the oh. first time, you can go listen to that entire album top to bottom, start to finish, and there's not a drum on it. You can actually hear the bass guitar. You can actually hear the pick on a guitar. You can actually hear the keyboards. You can actually hear backing tracks that are a violin way back in the distance that they had someone play. And it is one of the That's more crazy. fascinating listens. If you get a chance to listen to it, I highly recommend it. Still great music, right? It's not boring because yeah. there's no drums. But the yeah. humanity brought to electronic music is one of the coolest things. Um, and I think to me, you know, that album in particular will stand the test of time. There's not a lot that have come out in the last five years, ten years maybe that I would say oh, that's a keeper forever. It's not a Pet Sounds, yeah, right? Yeah. It's not Pet Sounds from the Beach Boys. It's not a wide album from the Beatles, right? It's not Rumors, right? It's not these albums. Um, but I would say that Random Access Memories is. And I, and I was delighted 
album came out. I put it on my weekly list. Was like, I don't know. Let me check that out. And I, I just can't get enough of it. Cannot get enough of it. I have to give it a listen. I'm interested now. Yep, yeah, yeah, but it's it's really really fascinating. You should take a listen. And if you do, I want you to to message me and be like, oh, I didn't realize, because it's really easy to take those songs on at face value, and that's what they're made for. They're pop songs, right? It's yeah. I mean, a lot of that music too. There's so many layers. You don't even know what's in there. Hundred percent. Like it's just you know you like it together. Right? You know you right? like it. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it's for. Yeah. It's that's what it's meant to be. You know, not yeah. no one is supposed yeah. to sit and just like really. That's it's not to be Analyze dug it. into, right? It's not Dragon Force, right? It's it's like. It's it's not meant to be scrutinized. It's meant to be enjoyed. Right. But the right. artistry of that particular album is mind blowing when you get to sit back and realize that a human being had to make electronic music. You know how hard that is. <laughs> that's really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's what I've been listening to. So now you had to you had to hear me geek out about it. Thank you for coming to my TED no, talk. No, I <laughs> I to be honest with you, I th- I think the last few podcasts you've suggested various albums that have ended up going and I do as, as I always do, I just pull one or two yep. songs that yep. I I like and then, but they end up sticking and they're in there, you know. Like there's a lot of Greta Van Fleet in my playlist now. Like I keep finding uh, you, more and more and more. Yeah, once you start with those point, kids, you like, can't get away from them. Oh man, the fantastic voice, yep. man. I tell you. Oh my you. god, it's just unbelievable. But, so, so let's talk half of the next yeah. uh we got about 18 minutes left. Let's the next um segment is going to be fun, I think. Uh so what you been playing? So, <laughs> we, should we talk about first of all the game that you quit? <laughs> let me, let me, let me. For those of you listening out there, I, I've known seven. None of for, this is true. Whatever like, he's what about to say is on, not true. I think only. Or I think we're going on two years now. I think something like that. that I've known you. Oh yeah. So maybe, maybe a little longer. Anyway, I have never seen <laughs> seven pick up and or put down a game so quickly back to back before <laughs> yeah that was as as he did war thunder yeah um, yeah <laughs> i i was i've been playing the heck out of war you thunder. have um, you have and i i i had picked up war thunder a couple years ago um yeah yeah and i tried it i tried the tanks side of it i tried the uh i guess the coastal ships right not the not yeah. the blue water fleets or Brown whatever water yeah so the I tried those, and and honestly, it just didn't stick. I I felt like I didn't understand it, um, and I didn't understand it because you know you get one shot a lot in that game, and you don't have any real learning feedback. A lot of times, it's like I don't know what yeah, I did wrong, yeah. right? And I ended up I'm dead. Okay, well I guess I'll go do something else for a while, and that's kind of how the game yeah. went the first time. But more recently, you know, uh, you'd been playing it, you'd been streaming streaming it a bit, and um, I got to be honest. Looks like a whole lot of fun. I really like a lot of the the concepts there, especially the tanks part of it. And I did. I hopped in with you and and our, our buddy Deacon, and and uh, we played a bit, and and uh, I rage quitted. Yes, I did. Um, I did indeed. <laughs> and I think there's a I think there's a it, it, real correlation happen between a game I want to like and how hard it fights me, right? So like I I don't really oh yeah right? totally. I don't care if I like Stardew Valley. It's not, I'm not like passionate about wanting to love Stardew Valley, sure, right? So sure. it doesn't have to be perfect. But if I want to like a game, like I really want to like it, and it tries not to let me, it's like a it's like a relationship turns sour. Like I get bitter. Oh, it's and it's very frustrating yeah. to the point of being enraging. I, I so I've had people in in my streams. They've asked me for advice and stuff like that. And what do you think of it? And I usually tell people it has. If you play the realistic side of the house of any of their their various combat things, from tanks to 
aircraft to Navy, whatever. It has the highest skill gap, the highest ceiling of any game in that genre. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what anybody says in that genre for realistic, the realistic side. Mm-hmm. The skill cap is so high because there's no, like you said, there's no feedback to tell you what you did wrong. Nine times out of ten, you don't even know how whatever just happened happened. Yep. yep. And you don't know how to counter it. Yep. Um, <clears throat> it's not friendly to, to new people at all. It, it and is. I, and I think that it is, is not a friendly. Huge to, downside. I, I agree. It's not friendly to new people. You want me to tell you? I, I thought about it a little bit. Um, I was being funny on your stream the other day, and I was being salty about it. But I'm not actually salty, right? I'll, <laughs> but the but um, I thought about it a bit, and. It, the the re, the reality is is money is not my primary deciding factor on playing a game, sure. right? And I, for a lot of people, it is. And I know I'm saying that from a place of privilege. I get it. I have more money than I have time, right? That's not saying I have a lot of money. I just have very little time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so when I look at a game, I'm going to play a game that's new, and it's a game as expansive, not expensive as expansive, just huge as something like you know War Thunder. Yeah. I I look at it and I'm like, I want to get into that game. I want to get into the game. I want to be part of the the ecosystem of the game because it's more than just like, oh, I played a game for a few minutes, right? It's not a, it, it, you become part of like an ecosystem and you invest hours and hours and yep. hours and potentially lots of money in it. And I think in the case of War Thunder, where I, I'm not going to begrudge any company for trying to monetize the thing they create. I want them to make money. That's how they get to continue making great products. I think in the case of War Thunder, however, where that where it fell apart for me is it didn't get me hooked before it tried to make me pay. Yeah. Yep. Right. It fought me too early. In other words, I didn't get to yeah. have an experience of just like euphoric. Oh my God. The honeymoon phase. I get to enjoy right. like the full version of something for fun. Right. And then, Oh, if you want to keep enjoying it after, you know, 60 hours of gameplay, uh, you're going to have to start paying some money. I would have probably been dead yeah. hooked on something like that. But when yeah. I was, I think I was 12 hours in when I rage quit. Right, which is not it's well. I, th- I think the error that we had with you playing is we went to realistic battles, early, like way too early, and I, I think you need to play arcade for quite a while. Think so? So you kind of yeah, I think so because it does a few things. It teaches you the maps. You learn the maps a little easier. Oh, I Every don't. single enemy has a marker over yeah, their head. The maps, dude. You know, <laughs> just, ooh, yeah. ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> wandering well, but, through a huge, crossfire that's zone. That's a huge thing, right? Because you gotta, you gotta have, you have to use a certain level of strategy, oh, yeah. and you can't do that if you don't know where you're going. Yep. You know. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I personally think that was probably one of the bigger problems with you is we we took you into realistic right away. I liked which, the I liked the realistic part of it. I liked the I liked the. Uh, I like the fact that it's like, no, we're going to hold down an area. You know, I like that stuff. Though. I, you know, yeah. I, I dig that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So maybe I'll give it And that's why, one chance. reason why I originally thought you would be happy with War Thunder is because you're a very strategic mindset that way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's... Well, that's to be fair, I enjoyed all of, of that. You, like, you know, it was, it, yeah. it's the gap of... I just shot that guy seven times before he turned around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was He was ignoring me. Actually, yeah. and then he got annoyed, and he turned around. Oh, I spent—I just spent 14 minutes sneaking around behind a guy <laughs> to shoot him seven times before he could get his stupid turret turned around. But the moment yeah, that turret yeah. turned around, I explode. I was dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, that's—I—I totally am there with you. That frustration. I will I completely. T- I will tell you, watching you stream. I think it was yesterday. I was watching you stream it. 
and uh, you were having the same issues. And I was like, oh, yeah, the game just works that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just. Well, and that's a, that's the thing, too. As I was I was trying, I, I try to tell everybody, like, it's the same way with another game I play, which is called Hell Let Loose. Yeah. Like you're going to die. You you'll 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 die sure, repeatedly. Sure. Just die, 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 die. You have no idea where the shots are coming from. You have no idea what you did wrong. But all you do is you hop back in and you do it again and you keep trying. As over time, you know, I don't even know how many hours I have in the game, but I've gotten to a point now where I'm very comfortable with where I'm going, how I'm positioning. But then, you know, with, there's uh, days like today, with like War this Thunder, morning, or oh, okay, yeah, War Thunder, with yeah, War Thunder, yeah. yeah. There's days today like Deacon and I this morning we're playing and i was like okay well that's enough war thunder for the day because <laughs> i got bombed out of oblivion oblivion repeatedly as i spawned in like oh yeah the airplanes you know, and, and that's, gotta have airplanes yeah yeah I, I will say that as a newbie um as a newbie coming into war thunder i think you just made a, it was an interesting point to be made right because i come into war thunder i'm good at video games right i i'm not bad at video games i've been playing yeah. them for a long time and yeah. I expect, I have an expectation for myself that within a certain amount of hours, I kind of understand the mechanics of how a game works, right? Like, it doesn't take me three weeks to learn the core mechanics of a game. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. so in the case of, of, of War Thunder, right, there is really nothing preparing you that says, you're going to just die because there are tanks you can't yeah. hurt who can hurt you. There's nothing that says that. So you pal that against, like, getting blasted by some light tank which shouldn't, right? You should have done something different. You should have improved and you could have won that fight versus yeah. there's no difference to fighting some heavy tank yeah. that you can't, you know, that's a full battle rating above you that you can't do anything to. And so as a newbie, you're just like, everything feels like I'm getting dumped on. And then when you're sitting in the spawn and airplanes are actually dumping on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You so, haven't even moved it. Right. You're like, okay, I'm in my tank and oh, look, I'm Oh, you're in your AA truck and it's like, <laughs> I'm in an AA yeah. truck. I'm going to kill the airplanes. Airplane killed you. Wait. What? By the way, anti aircraft <laughs> is AA. Yeah. Oh, look. Yeah. It's anti anti aircraft <laughs> yeah. AA. It's anti aircraft <laughs> anti. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, you know, it's a fun game. I may pick it back up at some point and try to play it offline on arcade, see if it helps. But it is a game I want to like. Um, and it is a game I rage quit and uninstalled. <laughs> I've never done that before. To full disclosure, I've never been like that was pretty Unstall! legit. Like the night that we're playing, he's like, "Oh no, <laughs> seven strip. Oh no, I've already installed. Oh, it's gone. It's gone. I needed that disk space. Need <laughs> that disk space. <laughs> I have reclaimed. I was like, Jesus, that was quick. I have reclaimed the disk space." <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Hapa. Well, you got you got nine minutes until we're at two hours. That's probably more time than you need. But let's wrap it up with Hapa's rules for good living. So, we're. I'm gonna have to. I've been. I've been slowly adding to my list of rules. Hapa's life rules. Um, I started this. Uh, everybody has hard times in their life, uh, and, and I'm no different. And throughout my life, I've learned just as I've gotten older, there's things I need to do in my life or say to myself in my life to just get through life. And I've ended up, you know, throughout my life with a lot of folks that, you know, have called me and vented to me and stuff like that. And it, I oftentimes tell them these rules so that they kind of understand why I'm the way I am. And maybe it'll help them in the long run. And I think we're on our fourth, fourth podcast maybe fifth that i've read these so we're at you know rule number 40 to 50 but rule number 40 is uh don't how don't hand out love lightly i mean that's typically one that i i, I tell my younger friends because it's a thing that happens quite often i think for them 
<laughs> 41 is don't hate. I, I think that is, that is, that's a rule that my mom instilled in me years and years and years ago. She's like, you can dislike something. You can not care for something. You cannot hate something or hate someone. Don't hate. Like, that's not, shouldn't be something that's in your vernacular. And I've kind of tried. I've tried, except for the guy that said, say, say, say please. please. I, hate <laughs> I hate that guy. That's <laughs> <laughs> an inside joke. Sorry. We'll tell you that someday, guys. Uh, 42 is nothing in life is worthwhile unless you take risks. Um, I used to try to tell people, be be comfortable being uncomfortable. I used to tell a lot of the leaders coming up in the Navy, like, be comfortable being uncomfortable. Because if you're being uncomfortable, you're probably doing it right. You're learning and you're performing, uh, which is what you want. Uh, 43 is, uh, there's no passion to be, f this is a Nelson Mandela quote, by the way, this is not me, but there's no passion to be found playing small and settling for a life that is less than what you are capable of living. So, I mean, that's... That's right along the lines with, you know, don't ever let anybody tell you you can't do something. Like, that's just silly. You're, if you want to do something, go do it. Uh, be consistent. Without consistency, you will never finish whatever it is you're doing. And that, I mean, if that isn't a truth, I don't know what is. Don't be afraid to fail. Tom, Thomas Edison conducted 100 failed experiments. Because Excuse me, 1,000 failed experiments. Because 1,001 was the light bulb. Yep. I mean, that's, you know. You have to keep keep going, and along the lines with that, you like I, you always you may hear a lot of military leaders say this. You know, fall down seven times, get up eight. I mean, that's sure. kind of how you should live your life. Um, dreams without goals are just dreams. I mean, that definitely is true. Like everybody's got dreams, but you should probably set your goals in alignment with those dreams, hopefully, um, and achieve those goals. Right? Always do the right thing, even when it's popular, and even even when it's not popular, and even when no one is looking. That's a mantra that's kind of always been in my head when I was a leader as well. Like, you, my sailors used to laugh at me because I'd be walking down peeways picking up trash. Like, just they'd walk behind me and see me picking up trash. Like, what are you doing, chief? That's trash on the ground. What are you talking about? Like, you know. Um, and then these three to me are very important especially when you aim them at folks that you love um always be willing to say i'm sorry always be willing to say i'm wrong always be willing to say i miss you like those three things when it comes to those people around you i don't think are thoughts or time type processes that we allow to come out vocally enough towards each other and i think that's pretty important so yeah 10 more rules. Love it, man. These are always, this is always one of my favorite parts. I love hearing those. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Well, I think half of this is ever growing. I think we're done, man. And we have to stretch it out another 10 minutes. Got to get that extra five <laughs> minutes in. Well, in review, um, <laughs> look, let's go over everything one more time. No, let, to be clear, guys, like um, Seven and I, not going to lie. We were supposed to do this on Tuesday. Seven was feeling under the weather. We put we put it off. And it actually was a good thing because we are having problems getting subjects yeah. to talk about. Yeah, we are. Like it's getting are. really difficult. Yeah. Um, not be, not for trying. It's because, <laughs> as you can imagine, news is all focused around a few things out there, yeah. and we try to avoid those few things. Um, so if you're listening to this or if you're watching the podcast, definitely feel free to respond either on this YouTube video or seven, send seven or I a DM. Um, 
with with topic suggestions again we typically avoid politics geopolitics you know uh religion all the things you probably shouldn't talk about at the thanksgiving table uh <laughs> is pretty much a good rule of Which thumb probably a lot of people um, learned last week <laughs> unfortunately yeah i had some conversations with friends i guess yeah. Thanksgiving. oh i had a lot of conversations where people learned that particular lesson this past week i've yeah. known that one for a while myself but you know some people still got to learn it evidently we have to learn it every time uh, some people still have to but, learn it it appears but yeah we definitely could use your guys's input or if there's something you guys want us to expound on a little bit more you know we're we're more than willing to go back prior episodes certain episodes maybe you didn't think we talked about it enough um, as long as it doesn't involve Elon Musk, because we we talk about that hey, man more probably. Than, hey, I did. Than I was good. <laughs> you did that. You should see. I, I actually I did in fact start you, the conversation with Seven this time. You yes. did that. I, you should see my notebook. It just says Elon Musk over and over and over and over again. <laughs> Elon, Elon. It's red rub, red rub, yeah, red exactly. rub, red rub. Exactly. <laughs> but I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna be good. But, yeah, we definitely could use some suggestions or ideas from you guys as well. I mean, it will help us out. It, evidently, there's not a whole lot of news going on right now, which I find really hard to believe. Um, but where can people reach you if they want to uh, check out your content, Mr. Seven? Yeah, you can reach me at S3VYN just about anywhere. I've had that name for a long time. You can hit me up on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, Elon's Megaphone. Um, you can hit me there. Um <laughs> <laughs> we should do that. I should I should register elonsmegaphone.com and just have it point to I feel like that would be a great That'd be pretty good. Just feed all of his tweets and everything yeah, into that. Just Elon's megaphone. So you can you can reach me on Twitter X uh at least for now I haven't bailed on it completely yet. Um trying to be a force of good in a in a sea of 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 crazy sometimes. Yeah, um sure. but uh also on Twitch, I'm over on Twitch. Um and that's that's not a bad way to reach me either. Um so yeah, that's probably the best ways best ways to hit me up. What about you, Happa? How can people find uh, the infamous Happa of the Fodder Clan? Same way, Happa underscore Fodder. If you Google that, you pretty much find everything from from my YouTube to my Twitch to my Twitter to my. I'll just keep calling it Twitter. I don't even care. Um, Facebook <laughs> and what have you. You'll probably find me. Probably see an image. Um, you can reach me there. As always, folks, we appreciate you guys. Oh, yeah. We appreciate everyone that follows our podcast and listens to it. I am blown away all the time by looking at the analytics and seeing what a global force this podcast global is becoming. Force. We're coming for you, Joe. A global we're force. For you, Joe. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> we're still looking for some folks in Jamaica to to, to, to request us uh, to come. To host. Down. I, you tell us where. I can get enough equipment in a suitcase. I promise you. Hey, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. Yeah, but um. I hope you guys are having a good. I know this, this season right now is we didn't talk about it really, but I, I and I meant to bring up and ask if, if Seven wanted to talk about it. We'll probably talk about it again in the next podcast, but I know this time of year is rough for a lot of yep. folks. Sincerely hope you guys are okay and you're, you're being able to be around your family and friends and, and, and hopefully having a good time. Um, if, if you aren't having a good time, definitely reach out to your friends, reach out to family conversate have that hard conversation man don't internalize it that stuff is rough you don't need to be doing that um and at the end of the day we just all need to be better human to each other especially this time of year man be be better to each other be good humans like i, I don't know how else to put it really if i'm honest with you yeah and I, uh, i'm not adding anything to that i think that that rounds it off for us though episode 11 it's in the, it's in the can and uh hell yeah 
you know if you're if you're watching this on youtube you can get this probably come friday it seems like uh end of day fridays usually is when i'm able to find the time to go ahead and do the mixing and mastering and get everything out um but if not friday it'll yeah. be saturday so um we will get this thing published wherever you look for podcasts whether that's spotify whether that's apple wherever you go for podcasts you'll be able to find us there um, again, keep our eye on Twitter. Hapa's Twitter is a great place to find out when we're going to be doing the live podcast if you want to watch. So go find Hapa underscore fodder on Twitter slash X. Um, and, and yeah, come, come look us up. Come hang out. We, we love interacting with folks. We love hearing from you. Comment on the YouTube channel. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll pick one of your subjects. In particular, Hapa, uh, we talked about doing some historical stuff. So uh, if you have like a historical thing you yeah, love covered, um, I think it'd be yeah. fun to hear us two idiots talk about some historical event. Um, the amount of inaccuracies yeah. and, and, and uneducated opinions we could throw into there is probably second to none. <laughs> Jeez, I, that's the perfect way to put it, I think. Too, so. <laughs> anyway, until next time, hopefully in about two weeks, we'll see y'all. And I uh, hope you guys have a great night. Good night, everybody. Appreciate y'all.